This morning, I'm really excited to introduce you to our chapel speaker, my friend Kellen. Kellen is the Executive Vice President of Ministry Advancement at Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Their national office is located in the Kansas City area where I served at a church for a number of years, which is how Kellen and I got to know one another. So we've been longtime friends. And the moment that I took this job in the summer of 2019, I knew that one of the people that I wanted to bring onto this campus to speak to you all was Kellen. Uh, and there's been a lot of reasons why it's taken this long, COVID being kind of one of the main ones of them, um, but he's here. And in the Lord's timing, it is right and perfect. And uh, I'm really eager for what Kellen has for you this morning out of God's word. It's a phenomenal message uh, from Ephesians chapter two. Can we give a big Sterling College Warrior family welcome to Kellen Cox? Thanks, man. All right, what's up? Sterling College, thank you for having me. Uh, like Paul said, we have been trying to make this happen, and it's a joy to finally be here with you. Uh, show of hands, who made it out last night to the FCA deal? Man, good for you. That was awesome. Uh, man, got to chat with some cool people last night. Had a blast seeing uh, Paul do some one-on-one uh, with some of you in the basketball uh, little area. I didn't get to see the hit in the face. Um, wish I could have seen that. That would have been great. But this is a joy for me, and I hope, my prayer for you this morning is that you would hear from God. I drove from Kansas City yesterday, prayed for you all, prayed for this time, and it was that simple. I mean, that's just what God put in my heart for you. I just pray that each of you hear from God. And so uh, these are his words uh, out of Ephesians 2, not mine. Uh, but a little bit about me uh, before we look at some scripture. Uh, I went to Missouri Southern State University in Joplin, Missouri. Um, played football there, led FCA there. That's where my passion for ministry grew. Uh, we've got a son, Lawson. He's two years old, and uh, we've got a little one on the way, doing about six weeks. So that's kind of the stage of life we're in, and uh, we live there in uh, Kansas City. This is a beautiful campus. Uh, when uh, I arrived yesterday, the sun was setting. I saw just this building and others. Beautiful campus. I love stepping foot onto college campuses because immediately I go back in time. I think about my short years at Missouri Southern and how those shaped me. And I've got dozens of stories, and obviously for the sake of time, I won't be able to share those. But here's one for you that I think pertains to you. Uh, it was my freshman year. It was 2008. And I just stepped foot on campus. Uh, I was just coming off of an intense knee surgery. Uh, Brian and I got to connect about knee surgery last night. It's rough, right? So a lot of change. Like I was looking forward to playing. And then just immediately, you know, 13-month recovery. And so I uh, showed up for the first summer workout, even though I wasn't going to be able to participate. Uh, feeling a little bit insecure. Met all our coaches in the locker room. They were getting ready to hand out all the gear, the shorts, the shirts, the socks, all that stuff. I was excited but nervous. And I was waiting in line, and I'm relatively small. And most of these guys around me are more like giants uh, than college kids. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Like, this is great, but what am I doing here? And as we're waiting in line, and I'm kind of talking with a couple teammates, I hear a loud and very impatient voice, next! And I look up, and the coach is staring at me. And so I step up, and he throws me a large shirt. And I said, thanks, coach, but I wear a medium. And with a chuckle and a smile, coach said, son, we don't have mediums here. You'll grow into it. You'll grow into it. 
And uh, everybody else is wearing larges, right? Any other, you know, small guys in the room, you get it, right? You get it. And so a little bit embarrassed, but in that moment, it was pretty interesting. Uh, You'll grow into it. I think my coach had more in mind with that phrase than I did. I mean, I think he had more in mind than it was just about me getting bigger and faster and stronger. I think my coach knew it was more about my shirt, less about my shirt size and more about me as a person. And so uh, looking back, I mean, at the time I didn't realize it, but I learned a lot in that moment. I was a newbie on campus, new team, new life, new season of life. And uh, this phrase was just kind of haunting me. You'll grow into it. I wish I had the whole day with you, but since I don't, uh, there's only a couple things that I want you to take away from here. One of them is something I want you to know. Everybody say no. And the other is something I want you to do. Say do. Something I want you to know. Something I want you to do. Here's what I want you to know. Who you are is far more important than what you do. Who you are is far more important than what you do. Let that sink in just for a minute. Because many of you here today know already what you want to do. You've selected your major, your minor. uh, You've got your next four years plus planned out. You know what your career is going to be. right? You know where you want to live and how many kids you're going to have and all the pets and where you'll vacation. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but I'm probably not far off on some of you, right? You got it all planned out. And the other half of you, as you're listening to me say those things, you're thinking, uh, that's not me. You're thinking, uh, good for you, all you planner people. I'm just along for the ride. Well, no worries, you don't have to have that kind of plan. I mean, I'm sure your parents want you to have a plan, but you don't even know what you're doing for dinner tonight, I'm sure. So one step at a time. Here's the point. It's not about having a plan. It's not about not having a plan. Regardless of a plan, regardless of what you do, when you are on your journey here, you should be far more concerned about who you are, who you are becoming. And I'm talking about your identity. Who you are. Because who you are is the most important thing about you. So who are you? And this is the point in the sermon where we already start to lose some people. And I just want to remind you again, I hope you understand that God has something for you today. The prayers that you would hear from God. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And just a little context here. uh, Chapter 1, Paul basically ended by considering that the ultimate example of God's power was the resurrection of Jesus. Now Paul considers what the implications of Jesus' resurrection power are for our life. All right, so keep that in mind. Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. Let's look at what that power means for us. Here it is. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, According to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. 
but God. Everybody say, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses and sins. He goes on to say, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Wow. Listen to the truth in this passage. He's talking about identity. He's describing who we are. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. We lived out our fleshly desires. We carried out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature children under wrath. But God, but God, He made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with him. He seated us with him in the heavens with Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. We are his workmanship. Talk about a contrast. Dead or alive, who are you? For those in Christ, you are alive. You have been made alive. You have been given eternal life. Who are you? Is Christ the one that you place your trust and put your identity? We are one or the other. Friends, listen carefully. It's black and white here. We are dead or we have been made alive with Christ. Who are you? Let's look at a couple of these phrases that Paul mentions in this letter. It's to a group of Christians, right? The church in Ephesus. He's using past tense to describe Christians before they were made alive with Christ. When it says this, when we were dead, this is when God started loving us. He started loving us at this point when we were dead, when we had nothing to offer. And further, he died, he shared in our death so that we could share in his resurrection, being made alive with him. It's incredible. And in that, we are new creations. We are born again. We are different. We are new. We've been transformed. Our identity is different. All things old passing away, all things new becoming. This is good news. We were dead, but because of Christ, we have been made alive. So who are you? Who are you? Life is crazy, and it can change very quickly. I remember on my wedding day, uh, I was in the back there, and next thing I know, I had a ring on my finger, and we were married. Like, in a blink of an eye, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm now a husband. Things change quickly. Uh, same when uh, the day my son was born. Right? Leading up to it, you got a little time there to kind of prepare, about nine months. But there it is, the day of, and before you know it, I'm holding a slimy baby. I'm a father. Things change. When I was nine, 
in church one day, going about my business, hear the gospel clearly for the first time, transformed, was made alive with Christ. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. I've been made alive. Friends, things change quickly. They can change for you today. They can change very quickly for you today. Today is all we have. So, I hope you're listening. Jesus can transform your life. He wants to transform your life if you would respond in faith. And it's all about who you are. Alright? So that's what I want you to know. Everybody say it with me. Who are you? Who are you? And who you are is far more important than what you do. So now, here's what I want you to do. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, homework, it's Friday. Like, don't give me homework. This is for all you uh, people out there who like extra credit. I want you to create a personal purpose statement for your time here at Sterling College. <clears throat> I want you to create a personal purpose statement for your time here. You're like, what is this, man? What are we talking about? This is all about growing and becoming. Once you know who you are, and specifically for those of you who are in Christ, now it's about becoming. It's the journey of becoming. This is the foundation of the Christian life. And the next step is creating a plan, keeping the end in sight. Uh, when an athlete signs a contract to be on a pro team, uh, which is the dream of many, uh, it was a dream of mine for about 10 seconds, and then I realized very quickly that wasn't going to happen. Uh, but things change, right? You go from uh, your alma mater, you've got team mascot, team colors, that changes. Right? You've got coaches, you've got teammates. Well, now you have new coaches, you have new teammates. You're in a new place. You're more than likely in a new town. Your world changes. Maybe you get a nice paycheck. But once they're on the team, the journey of becoming a part of that team begins. It's about growing, becoming, conforming. And this is the call to every believer. It's very similar to Jesus' team. Let's look back to Ephesians 2, and we're going to read a little further down. Verses 19 through 22. It says this, So then... You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, in him the whole building, being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. You're on God's team now for those who are made alive in Christ. And that's amazing. We're no longer opponents. We're no longer on the sideline. We are on God's team. He wants you on his team. Everybody wants to be on a winning team. I had the chance to talk with some of you. Some of you are having really good seasons. Others of you are not. That's just the way it goes. Uh, I'm a Chiefs fan. Thankfully, things are relatively good right now. I don't want to talk about last week. All right, we're not going to talk about that game. I'm not thinking about it right now. So we want to be on a winning team. We are members of God's household now. And look at the last part of that verse. You are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. That phrase, you are being built. Think about that. Think about a building being built. Construction going up. 
another thing is uh, when I think about uh, you know being built, I immediately think about somebody who has uh, just an incredible build. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody who is just ripped out of their mind. The first person that comes to my mind is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Come on. I mean, this guy is built, right? He is built. He's got muscles that you didn't even know existed. It's crazy. Look at that. I love it. This is what came to my mind. You are being built for those of you in Christ. Okay, so in a spiritual sense, if you can let your mind go there, I think this is what God wants for us spiritually. He wants us to grow. He wants to build us up. He wants us to become stronger and mature. He created us to be stronger and to grow more like Christ. This is for your good. Right? It's not just for good looks. It's for your good and it's for the good of others. All right? So one more here. Sorry for all the sports analogies, but I work for a sports ministry and Paul invited me here. So if you have any complaints, you can email Paul with all those complaints. But in strength training, think about this. When you're lifting weights, I know we got a lot of athletes in the room, but even if you're not an athlete, for someone to get stronger, they have to train. That's just the way it works, right? If you want stronger muscles, you have to put them under resistance. Resistance starts the pathway to growth. And what's interesting about that is you're actually tearing your muscles apart when you're lifting weights. You're breaking them down. They're being pulled apart. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. Right? I remember my days. I'm a little bit smaller than I used to be, but we would train so hard in the off-season and in the summer. And I remember days where I was just zapped and my body just ached. I gave it all I could, but a week later, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling stronger. I'm being built this is the way God designed it, and this is our calling as Christians. After you're made alive with Christ, it's time to get growing. It's time to get growing. It's time to get stronger. And friends, it's going to feel like you're being torn apart at times. There will be this tearing down of some things in your life that are uncomfortable, but it's part of the process. And when you face resistance, know that it's you growing stronger. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some self-control. But you're getting there. You are becoming more like Christ. So I asked you four or five times earlier, who are you? Now the question is, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Maybe you're someone who's already been on Team Jesus. You've been made alive with Christ. You've gone from being dead to alive but it doesn't stop there. He has more for you. He wants to grow you and build you. Who are you becoming? So before we talk about this purpose statement, let's talk about purpose. Purpose. Everybody has their own definition of purpose, but here's the interesting thing. We all desire it. Every single one of us desire purpose. And people will do anything these days to feel like they have purpose. Unfortunately, we look in the wrong places sometimes. We look for meaning in what we do, and what we accomplish. Uh, people confuse purpose and significance with success. 
And people, I want to spare you the years, possibly decades of frustration, emptiness, loneliness that you might feel from seeking the mirage of success. See, purpose is very different than success. Listen to me carefully. It's very different. It's a fickle thing. Our culture is obsessed with the idea of success, but it's a never-ending cycle. You're never happy until you reach it, and guess what? The feeling is gone before you know it. You go looking for more of that feeling. You need more of it. You have to get the job. You have to get the stuff. You have to get the career that you're looking for and wanting. You have to get the next thing. It's about stuff. Success will never satisfy you. Success is all about you, but it won't fulfill you. It will not fulfill you. However, significance can fulfill you. And significance comes from having purpose. Are you tracking with me? Significance comes from having purpose. Friends, God is offering every single one of us purpose today and for the rest of our lives here and obviously for eternity. He's offering it to you today. Purpose. Remember what Ephesians 2.10 says. We already read it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. When it says we are his workmanship, listen to this. It's amazing. God saves us not merely to save us from wrath and death that we rightfully deserve, but also to make something beautiful of us. We are his workmanship. We are being built. This word in the original Greek language is poema. It's the idea that you are a beautiful poem. You, his workmanship, you are a beautiful poem. Another translation talks about it being like this work of art. It's beauty. That's you. He's talking about you, his children. You are being made into something beautiful. God's love is a transforming love. It meets us right where we're at, but when we receive his love, it always takes us where we should be going, who we should become. The love of God that saves our soul will also save and change our lives today. It will change us. It should change us. This is our purpose, to grow and to be built. His workmanship. And good works requires us to serve and to love others like Christ, to live out our faith, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And this hard work of being built, being intentional about growing, being intentional about training and becoming, it's all because of Jesus. So here's what Dr. Julie Connor says about a personal purpose statement. It defines who you are, right? Who are you? It defines who you are. It reflects your passions and values, and it provides clarity as you set goals. Your sense of purpose steers how you want your story to go. I love that. For the Christian, uh, this is vital. When I live out my purpose, everyone around me benefits. Isn't that interesting? And here's the cool thing. I am fulfilled because I have purpose and I'm living out my purpose. It's twofold. This is how it works. It's God's design. It's amazing. On the very first day of my education degree, uh, one of my professors said, every day, keep the end in sight. 
every day. Keep the end in sight. I think a lot of this had to do with thinking about lesson plans and student pathway, you know, learnings for pathways, um, all that. But I think it's more of a life principle. And for the Christian, this is absolutely essential. This is what a purpose statement does. It helps you keep the end in sight. As a Christian, and as we seek to follow Jesus in all areas of our lives, uh, we need to have this front and center every day. The group last night, we talked a little bit about it. How are you reorienting, reorienting your life every morning to know Jesus and to follow him more closely? Are you resetting every day? I'm keeping the end in sight. What does that look like for you? What is your purpose statement? There are some great resources out there if you don't know how to create a purpose statement, but that's my challenge to you. Okay, so pop quiz. What I want you to know, who you are is far more important than what you do. And what I want you to do, create a personal purpose statement for your time here at Sterling College. And here's the deal. It's going to go by fast. It'll be over in a blink of an eye. You'll look back. You'll have people ask you about your time here. And you'll say something. You will say something about your time here. It probably won't be about your, you know, Friday morning chapel service. It won't be about, you know, Tuesday morning math class. It won't be about, you know, your practices or whatever. You will, in a phrase or two, explain your time at Sterling College. What will you say? What will you say? Are you here for a reason that maybe God knows, but you're just still catching up? Will you say, this is where God met me? This is where God took me from being dead and made me alive with Christ? This is where God helped me become more like Christ? What will you say? Who are you? Who are you becoming? My dad used to always say, don't count the days, but make the days count. And, you know, life is a lot bigger than us. I realized that. You know, when I got to college, I just knew it. I just felt it. It was so much bigger than me. And some of you are feeling that. You may feel really small at times. You may feel defeated. And that's understandable. But just remember what my coach told me all those years ago in the locker room when he tossed me a shirt. You'll grow into it. It's our job to grow and to change. Students, get growing. If you've been made alive in Christ, live out your purpose. Get stronger. Get better. Get faster. You can do it. It's worth it. He is building you up. Join Him in this purpose of becoming more like Christ. So, who are you? Ephesians 2. Remember what it says. But God. He made you alive with Christ. He raised us up with Him. He seated us with Him in the heavens. We are saved by grace through faith. We are His workmanship. His beautiful poem. His work of art. Who are you? Are you on God's team? Are you working your tail off to be better on that team? Who are you and who are you becoming? It's all about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And right now, in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would speak to this group, God. In the quietness of their heart, God, you would speak to them. God, would you meet them where they're at? 
we're all on this journey, but we're in different places. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do in its transform lives. Speak to hearts. God, for every person in this room, would you show us what this looks like to be made alive in Christ and to live that out with purpose every day? Give us next steps, Lord. Help us do this. And God, for us who are Christians, show us the people that we are close to relationally, but who may be far from you, who need to hear this. God, give us the strength and the boldness to share your good news of Jesus. Turning dead people into alive people. Giving them life and hope and purpose. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.